0: Yesterday, last night, we had an incredible event here. We called it Country Christmas. And uh, the last count that we had was a little over 700 people that was on our property last night. Isn't that awesome? You know, one of the, whenever this church was birthed in 1990, one of the things that it was birthed on was outreach. And uh, I think that's got to stay in our veins think we have to keep outreach in our veins and one of the reasons why you have to do outreach is because if not you become ingrown people become ingrown we think everything's just about what we want how we want it when we want it But how you know there's a, a whole world out there that needs uh, that needs hope there's a whole world out there that needs to see something different and last night was our opportunity just to love on our city and that's what we did. We created the best environment. I just want to say our worship team last night, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Those those guys were incredible. And they, they did uh, two different. Uh, they did a set on two different occasions. And you could just feel the presence of God in the atmosphere. And then all those people that were working booths and volunteers and just, I know Pastor Corey mentioned it a while ago. But thank you to all of you who showed up and helped us with that. Those events take a lot of effort it takes a lot of effort and time and all of you guys that showed up and just made that happen we just want to say again thank you thank you so much and I believe this city was touched amen I believe that and there's multiple people that we can take a few moments and maybe and just think and uh a worship team uh Elizabeth Williams read the gospel story to to I don't know how many children on two different occasions. You know that was a seed that was planted in the kids. They heard the gospel sitting right there in an open air and just listening to the word of God. So we thank God for that. Uh, thank God for Tim Lee. Tim's over here today. I know he's probably supposed to be working. Tim was actually our Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. And. We had, to, we had to build about 10 or 12 booths, and uh, he, he, was, he got all the, uh, the pallets for us and everything that we had to have for that. But uh, it was, Tim told me a story last night while he was playing Santa Claus out there. I think the girl was 10 years old, Tim. I think he, was, he said she was 10 years old. She climbed up in his lap, and he said, what do you want for Christmas? And she said to him, I just want my mama off drugs. That's all I want for Christmas. And then Tim, in replied, said, do you believe in Jesus? Do you pray? And Tim began to minister to her right there. And you know what? Amen. Amen. And you know what? I, I don't know the girl. I don't think Tim knows the girl. We don't know her. Just some girl from our city. And all she wanted for Christmas was for her mom to get off drugs. And you know what? She walked away, if nothing else, when she walked off this property, she walked off with some hope. That's the power of the gospel. That's why we do what we do. It's not just so that we can add something to our calendar, it's because we're ministering to people who knew Jesus the most. Amen. So one more time, I know we done gave a bunch of people a great big clap all friend, and everybody that served. Will you just help me thank everybody that was involved? It's just an amazing event, amazing event. So we thank you, thank you for everybody that participated. I know our our, our staff. Oh my Lord, these guys work so hard behind the scenes, just pulling all that together. Um, we had the Clifton Fire Department here; those guys did some displays out there, and just. So many people would think, but that's, that's how you reach a city. Right. Okay. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes they won't come into church, so we'll just go to them. We'll just, we'll just create an environment where they can come and be ministered to. Amen? Okay. Hallelujah. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Well, are you ready for a little bit of the word this morning? Okay, I got like three people over here. The rest of y'all look like you're in a coma maybe. I don't know. Come on, stand to your feet and grab your Bibles. I'm excited about our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be a great time together. It's only a one-hour service, and I know it's a busy time, but boy, even as our kids sang this morning, it's really about Jesus, isn't it? What better way to honor God than just to devote one hour of your time so we can worship the Lord together? And if you got family down, I would just encourage you, bring them to church with you or leave them at your house until you get back that's what my mom did y'all can come on y'all can stay y'all we're going to church we'll see you when we get back don't let them influence you out of god's presence amen if they don't come with you you come on anyway all right praise the lord i'm losing the anointing already i don't feel no happiness in the church right now luke chapter one luke chapter one i'm going to read several verses of scripture here And we'll begin reading in verse number 26. And it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement And kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign. Somebody shout, reign. He will reign. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I am a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Will you just tap somebody on the shoulder and tell them God ain't finished with what he started? Just tell them, hey, He ain't finished. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. One more verse right there in verse number 38. And Mary said, Behold, the bond ser- slave or the bond servant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now just real quickly look with me in Luke chapter 2, just one chapter over. Just want to sum it up right here, beginning in verse number 8. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the, angel, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from, from them into heaven... The shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry. Well, when something big is about to be birthed, you need to be in a hurry to get there. And they found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby was laying in the manger. And when they'd seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard heard it uh, wondered at the things which were told by them, by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them, or just as had been told to them. Notice that they left Glorifying and praising God. I just want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning on a subject that I titled The Glory of Christmas. The Glory of Christmas. Will you just high five about three people around you and tell them God's about to put some glory in your Christmas? Come on, just tell them. Come on, just find somebody that you don't even know if they responded to you and just say, God's going to give you some glory this Christmas. Just tell them God is going to put some glory. In your Christmas, amen, 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 and amen. I'm going to pray for you before you sit down. Father, this morning, we thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you today for what you're doing in this place already. Lord, we thank you for the ministry of worship today. Thank you today, Lord, for our children. Thank you today for Sarah, Lord, as they ministered and song to us this morning. Lord, we feel your presence. We know that you're here. Father, I just pray over the next few moments, Lord, that you would just use me, wear me as it were like a coat. Let me speak the very oracles of God. Lord, we thank you today for what you're going to do in our hearts, what you're going to do in this, in the remaining part of this service, and Lord, we just give you all the praise and the glory for that now. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody together said amen. Amen, amen and amen. You may be seated. While you're sitting that, it's good to have Destiny here this morning, all the way from Mississippi. It's good to see you, girl. Good to have you with us today. And uh, her brother, Micah, he's in, uh, in Moorhaven this morning. He's leading worship there at Living Waters Fellowship there. So we praise God for that. Amen. So we just got people moving and coming and good things happening. Amen. Let me just begin reading uh, or releasing a few things over you that I feel like to kind of lead up to what I want to release in my heart to you this morning. Since we're right here at the Christmas season, um, I really don't follow trends and things like that. I don't follow clocks and calendars. I just kind of go by what I hear the Lord say most of the time when I'm preaching, but I was just contemplating over some scriptures as we come into the Christmas season, and I began to think about these few verses that I read, and uh, how many know that ever since the arrival of Jesus just a little over 2,000 years ago, there has been in every generation, In every generation, there's been a segment of society that has done its best to explain him away. In every generation, there has been a segment in society, in that generation, that has done its best to explain Jesus away. And we, too, are living in a generation that has a segment of society that's doing its best to explain him away. And there's no doubt today that, that we are living in some unsettled times. How many would agree with me this morning? We're living in some unsettled times. We're living in a time of, of a lot of controversy. There's a lot of, a lot of conflict going on, a lot of chaos that's going on in our culture. And some of that is due because there, there are movements that, that are trying to literally eradicate Jesus off the earth. And there's even at the Christmas season, right here at Christmas time, there are even movements that are trying to eradicate him from the season that we call Christmas. There are movements in our land, right here in America, right here in the good old USA. There are movements that are trying to push Christ out of Christmas. Christmas in our culture, as we know over the years, has suffered a great deal of harm because we now live, we're living in a post Christmas. Christian society, or Christmases now have been watered down to nothing more than a winter fest, happy holidays, or season greetings. Have you noticed that? It used to be people would say, Merry Christmas. But culture and society has changed the verbiage. And uh, every year, once a year, Jeff and I, we go shopping on the coast, and Jeff is a a vicious shopper. If you you don't want to shop, don't go with Jeff, because he's vicious with it. And and we just shop. We spend take a day and we just shop. He and I go together, and we do our Christmas shopping. And uh, and I always get tickled because when I'm with Jeff and when we're checking out or whatever, every, you know, everybody's saying Happy Holidays, Happy you know, Happy Seasons or whatever. And Jeff just says, No, it's going to be a Merry Christmas. He just like fires it right back at him. And I'm like, oh, We're going to break out right here, you know, because he just he won't. He said, No, it's going to be a Merry Christmas, and he just he won't let nobody slide with that. And so, but, but I, I think about that because how many know that if, if we're not careful, we get caught up in the verbiage. And we, next thing you know, we're saying happy holidays, season greetings, where at one point we would say Merry Christmas. And so, so that, that's the movement that's taking place in our land. And, and we have this movement now in America in our department stores in our state, and local governments, that they're even forcing governments, local governments are forcing nativity scenes out. They're making it hard to put nativity scenes up in their city. Thank God we live right here in Clunston because there's a nativity scene right downtown, right there in our park. Come on, somebody. You better not take that for granted because there's a lot of governments in our nation that will not let that go. And that has even trickled down now into homes. You know, there are people that are being fined right here in America for for putting a nativity scene up in their house, at their house. If you don't think we're in a time of great controversy and great war, then you are hiding under a rock somewhere. There is a movement in our nation to silence the voice of the church. There's a movement in our nation to begin to push God out of the very season that, it, that birthed him. And right now, in our nation, there are these things that are taking place. And I just wanted to take a few moments today and, and move through a couple of things because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 8, that Jesus is a rock of offense. He's a rock of offense. And people are being offended over Jesus. Well, Jesus said that that would happen. But the problem is we don't need the church getting offended over Jesus. Amen. So, so it's no surprise to us that, that, that people that are outside of Christ are being offended by Christ. But it's another thing, if the church ain't careful, we'll start taking up the conflict of the world and we'll bring it right into our neighborhood. Come on, push on somebody. Tell them, we, said, we need some glory now. We need some glory in our Christmas. I'm going to get to where I'm going. Just hang out with me for a moment. So, so we have to understand that there is this war, there's this conflict, there's this turmoil that's going on right here. And ladies and gentlemen, if we don't change it in our families, it's going to be hard to change it in our neighborhoods and in our cities. So in other words, there's a, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of controversy. And it's no surprise because the Bible says that, that Jesus was born in the days of Herod. So trying to eliminate Christ is nothing new. He was born in the days of Herod. In other words, if you study that out, Jesus was born in the days of a lot of controversy and a lot of conflict, and there was a lot going on. And he was born in the days of Herod. Herod was one of the most evil kings that we have recorded. Herod was an evil king. Herod was a paranoid, power-hungry dictator. In fact, he was so vicious and so mean, Herod killed his own family members. He killed three of his sons, killed one of his wives, and had his mother-in-law murdered. How'd you like to have that in your family tree? He was a pretty rough dude. And, and so, because he, and, and, and he killed them because they were a threat to his power. So there's always been this Threat to the world's power that there's a greater government. There's always a threat to the world's power that there's a greater king. And so, Herod, just because he was threatened because he heard there was going to be a king born in the territory, he went out and started killing all the babies that were under two years old because he was so paranoid about a takeover. In fact, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus himself, said that it was safer to be Herod's pig than it was to be his son. A lot of great controversy, born in the days of a lot of chaos. So the fact that, I won't get to where I'm going. Y'all still doing all right? I'm just trying to work with my voice here, warming it up a little bit. The fact that the magi, the wise men, called Jesus the one born King of the Jews, it became a direct threat to Herod. When Herod heard of the news of a new king in town, the Bible says that he was troubled. That word "troubled" literally means he was disturbed. He was agitated. Literally means he 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 had a spirit of dread or a spirit of fear that came upon him. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to know something this morning that we are contending in our world today. With nothing more than the spirit of Herod. It's a Herod spirit and it's troubled. It's troubled. Anytime you mention the name of Jesus, there's trouble. Anytime you bring up the name of Jesus, there's trouble. That's why the rhetoric has changed even at Christmas time. Happy holiday season greetings. Because when you throw Christ out there, it brings an attention to something that's greater than the world could ever offer. Amen. So, so, so when Herod, he represents to us the spirit of the world. And whenever Jesus is mentioned, society is troubled at the mention of his name. Because his government is not from this world. He's from a different world. He's from another government. In fact, I didn't, I didn't give this to the guys in the back. But Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6 says, For unto us a child is born. And to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and they shall call his name Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the government or of his peace. I'm just trying to tell you this morning that the king that we serve, the Savior that we serve, there is no end to his government. And so when Jesus is mentioned in a secular society, every government trembles at that name. Every government is agitated at that name because they have to understand, they begin to recognize that there is a greater government that's not of this world. In fact, when they arrested Jesus in the garden and remember Peter pulled out his sword and he went to cut off one of the guy's heads and he ducked and he just took his ear off. Jesus looked at Peter and said, put away your sword, man, put it away. You don't need that. He says, don't you realize I could right now call down. 12 legions of angels I could call them right here and if you know anything about angels and legions, legions in one legion there were 6,000 angels so he could have called down 72,000 angels in one moment and if you read the Bible in the Old Testament you find out that one angel killed 185,000 people by himself can you imagine what 72,000 angels could have done he said I can just call down I could call down 12 legions of angels they're at my disposal you have to know I'm not operating from a worldly standpoint I'm not on the same level that the world is on I come from a different government I come from a different authority I come from a different place of power and ladies and gentlemen if you want to know what Christmas is all about it's not about Santa Claus presents and Rudolph and all those things it's about the glory of God wrapped up in humanity that came to live and die on this planet so that we can see majesty in the midst of the mundane so that we can see the glory and the power I'm going to preach whether you shout or not I'm I'm telling you God is trying to get some glory back in our Christmas and so that's what it's all about in fact the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 I'll tell you what let's turn to that one I wrote these scriptures down in a hurry there in the green room and I want to make sure we get them read this morning are y'all doing all right? Let me get there, because it's Philippians chapter 2, guys. Philippians chapter 2, if you want to throw it up on the screen. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 9. Verse number 9, it says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name. Come on, this ought to be a Holy Ghost-filled church. Somebody just should have shouted right there. Amen. It's a name that's above every other name. So that at the name of Buddha, at the name of Muhammad, at the name of Confucius, come on, reading the Bible, at the name of Jesus, his name shall be called Jesus, Mary. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Come on, I'm going to wait on 100% participation right there. Every knee will bow. Of those, watch how it puts it, of those in heaven, the, those on the earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice that every knee in heaven is going to bow. That means every angel in heaven, every saint that has died before us, every knee in heaven will bow. He said every knee in hell is going to bow. Come on, talk to me. You know what that means? Every every demon, every principality, every power, every witch, every warlock, every hex, every spell everything that the devil has ever tried to do it will have to bow its knee to a name that's above every other name it's a name that, that when we ascribe to that name it has a power it has authority it moves it operates in the earth and every knee shall bow he said not only in the upper world the underworld but even in the earth that means every politician every dictator every rogue government every false prophet every sinner everybody who is in the earth they will have to bow their knee you have to know this morning that there are no there are no atheists in hell right now there's no agnostics in hell right now they understand that there is a name that's more powerful than any other name and his name is Jesus so whenever time you get around the christmas season you ought to open up your mouth and say it's a christmas time it's a time to let the glory of god be revealed in the earth Amen. every knee shall bow every tongue will confess Ugh. every disease will bow come on I'm going to preach this whether you get excited with me or not that, mean, that, means, that means coronavirus will bow cancer will bow sugar diabetes will bow dieticulitis will bow you have to know this morning that that name is above whatever the devil can do if you think sickness came from God you're on the wrong planet Huh? Sickness is born out of the bowels of hell. Death and destruction is born out of the bowels of hell. Jesus said, I've come that you might have a life and have it more, more abundantly. He said, every knee will bow. There's a name that's above every other name. There's a name that's above lack. There's a name that's above sin. Uh, There's a name that's above struggle. Amen. There's a name that's above trouble. Jesus was born in the, it's amazing that the Bible puts that specifically. He was born in the days of Herod. Herod was an evil king. Jesus was born at some of the most uh, uh, conflicting days that our planet has ever seen. You think we're going through tough times? You should have seen it back in those days. I mean, can you imagine just 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 Herod say at one breath, "I'm just gonna kill all the male babies, all the, anybody under two years old. I'm just gonna go along and kill them, and you can't do nothing about it." Jesus was born in a time of great conflict and a lot of evil, but the prophet Isaiah said 700 years prior to Jesus coming here, he said, "There's gonna be a name that's gonna rise, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and he will be the Prince of Peace." So God's trying to get some glory in our Christmas. Historically speaking this morning, there's no doubt and there's no argument to the fact that a man named Jesus Christ was born. There's no disputing the fact. There's no arguing the evidence that he came and he lived in the earth. History has recorded it. Even after his death. He made 13 appearances to over 500 different people when he rose from the dead. Do you know right now, right now in the history, in the logs of history, there's more verifiable historical evidence proving that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again than there is of Julius Caesar ever living Time Life magazine said this many years ago. They published an article that said this will be on the screen. It it would require much exotic calculation to deny that the single most powerful figure, not merely in these two millenniums, but in all human history, has been Jesus of Nazareth. Understand this morning that his birth was not an accident. It was not a miscalculated mistake. The Bible says in Galatians 4.4, 4, he was born in the fullness of time. God sent his son born of a woman. He was born right on time. He was born right when he needed to be. And he was born in a lot of chaos, destruction, and death. Ladies and gentlemen, I ought to give you hope this morning. There ain't nothing on this planet that he ain't already conquered. There ain't nothing in your life that he can't overcome. Amen. Nobody before or since has ever impacted humanity more than Jesus Christ. In fact, it was at his birth that 300 prophecies from the Old Testament were fulfilled through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, and even David. The one born king of the Jews who would one day grow into the most polarizing figure in human history. The reason why there's always a segment in our society that wants to do away with that name, because they know one day they're going to have to bow their knee to that name. And if I could just throw a wake-up call to everybody in this building today, this is not the time for the church to digress. This is not a time for the church to start to play in it safe. This is the time where we ought to know that the enemy has heightened the stakes a little bit. This is a time. Listen, you are in warfare. If nobody else, you're in warfare over your own soul. You're in warfare over your family, your children. You maybe you got grandchildren. You have to know that the stakes are high and the enemy is playing for keeps. And if the church begins to digress, if the church begins to throw up a white flag and retreat, we're going to surrender the powers back over to the enemy. But can I tell you, there may be a segment of society that's trying to do away with this name but I believe there's another segment of society it's called the remnant of the gospel of Jesus Christ it's called a people that were going to begin to contend for the movements of God how many believe what I just said right there come on push on somebody and tell them it's going to be the glory it's going to be the glory what is it about this baby I'm about to get to where I'm going what is it about this baby that will literally change the world this baby this child so significant so profound, so inspiring that even today, some 2,000 years removed from the events in Bethlehem, that that name is still being echoed in the hallways of time. It still grabs kings and conquerors with fear. The reason why communist countries rules out the church, the first thing they do is silence the church because they fear that name. They under, that's what the first thing that Hitler did. When Hitler came in power, the first thing he did was shut the churches up. Because he knew if he, if he had the saints shut up, he could run his regime. Amen. What is it about this baby, this baby born king of the Jews, that would strike terror in the heart of some of the most powerful kings that have ever lived and died? What is it about this baby that his miracles... Would astound the crowds of people. And his ministry would attract thousands of curiosity seekers. That his teachings would challenge the known establishments of his day. And they would endure throughout the generations to come. His call to discipleship would promise nothing but persecution and hard times. Yet millions are attracted to follow him over the centuries. Who can you believe that? We we live in a world now, you know, we, we want a padded cross, right? We want a cross that's padded. We don't want no rough places. We don't want no tough spots. But I'll tell you, millions of people are giving their life for that name right now. His critics would blast him for his unorthodox ministry and eventually take him to the cross for his execution. What is it about his claim to deity who would confound many yet would be so unmistakable that when the tomb was found empty, people would not be able to handle the very fact that the God that they killed is a God that raised himself back up. Come on, come on. Something about that name that his known followers in that day would spread his name throughout the generation, within one generation. There's something about that name that shepherds would leave their flocks in the field wise men would track across a thousand miles of desert just to get before him and worship him we can't even drive three minutes sometimes and worship him (laughs) look at your neighbor and say come on now straighten up straighten up i I feel heaviness in here y'all look tired where y'all at today Huh? I mean, come on, that's the, that's the American church, right? I mean, you got wise men, these doctors, these professionals, these, these uh, philosophers, these educated men would track across a thousand miles of desert on a two-year journey just to get before him and worship him. And here we are living in the greatest nation in the world, and sometimes we letting the enemy run roughshod over the very God whose name is above every other name. May I submit to you this morning, I'm about to get to where I'm going, may I submit to you that there had to be more than just a theory, it had to be more than just a good idea or just a a political campaign. Could it be that this baby, Jesus Christ, was fulfilling prophecy, that one day that child would grow up and lift the burdens of mankind, that one day that child would rule the nations of the world, that one day that that child would work The works of darkness and establish his government in righteousness and in peace something about that name that's above every other name napoleon bonaparte said it best too he said i know men and i tell you that jesus christ is no mere man between him and every other person in the world there is no possible term of comparison Alexander the Great, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I myself have founded empires. But on what did we rest the empires or the creations of our genius? He said it was upon force. But Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. That ought to make you throw a baby right there. That was Napoleon Bonaparte. He said at this very hour, He said, I know, I've known men. I've known Alexander the Great, Charlemagne, even myself. We have conquered a lot of stuff and we did it by force, but there's something about that name. That walks into a room and his eyes will pierce you with flames of fire. There's something about that name that's above every other. I've known all the great conquerors. But there is something about Jesus Christ that millions will lay their life down for him at this very hour. Could it be that even at this Christmas season God is calling his church back up to a place of authority. That even now we would lay our lives down just to see the power and the glory of his name extended to another generation. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Let me show you something real quick because I don't don't want to hold you late today. But real quick, five things that the Christmas story teaches us. Five things. Somebody say five things. Five things. Number one, number one, God can fulfill his word without a man. In Luke chapter 1, verse number 30, Mary said, I know not a man. <laughs> In other words, she knew a man. She was betrothed to a man. She was engaged to Joseph. But what she was saying was, I've never had intimate relationships with a man. I'm a virgin. Some of you like you don't believe the Bible. That's what she said. I'm a virgin. That's what the Bible said. How many know a virgin means she's never been with a man? Good Lord, I got to back this class way up. Huh? Never been with a man. She said, how can this be since I know not a man? I've never had intimate relationships with a man. You have to understand this morning when it comes to the purposes of God in your life, God don't need man's approval and he don't have to have man's ability to give birth to his promise in your life. He don't have to have man's approval to do it, and he don't even need to have man's intervention. God can birth whatever he put inside of you without anybody's help. In fact, man can even work against you. But when God is working his promise, man can't stop you, and neither can the devil. Come on, I need somebody to shout glory with me one time she said how can this be since I know not a man and the angel said I'll tell you how it's going to work Mary the the power of the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you in other words God is going to get in your business God is going to get in the affairs of your life and he's going to produce a promise in you that has been weighing in the balances for thousands of years and you're about to give birth to a promise and I just came here to say something to you this morning God is trying to birth a promise in you and you're looking at every resource around you to Help you make it happen. You're looking at everybody around you to jump in your boat, but I'm trying to tell you, God don't need a man to make it happen. If He put a promise in you, then you can stand on your own two feet. You can believe the word of God. Come hell or high water, you can believe that God will be faithful to what He said over your life. She said, "She said, I don't know how. I don't know how this is going to be. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know." what you're getting ready. This is, I feel prophetic stuff now. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Oh. I don't know what you're getting ready to give birth to. You, you may not have all the resources around you. You may not have all the connections in line with you, but God. <laughs> but God. You may not have enough money, but God. You may not have enough education, but God. Listen, y'all don't know what I'm going through with my voice. Y'all need to work with me. I'm I'm struggling up here just to say a word. I'm telling you, there is a prophetic moment right here over your life. You are pregnant with something. You didn't get pregnant by natural means. You got pregnant by the Spirit of God. God put a word inside of you. God put a promise on the inside of you. And you've been looking around and you've been trying to make it happen through the efforts of the arm of the flesh. And God is saying, no, I'm going to take you to a different level, Mary. I'm going to take you to a different road, Mary. It's going to be a road that you don't understand will not be able to grasp it your logic, your logical thinking will not be able to comprehend it I'm going to take you to a place where I'm going to show you how powerful I am how awesome I can be because I am a name that's above every other name I can do it when I want to do it I don't need the aid of a man I don't have to have the aid of anything around me because I can do it without him you don't need man's permission he don't need the devil's permission. He can birth it. Amen. Come on, just look at your neighbor and say, you look pregnant. You just look pregnant. Yeah? I'm trying to lighten y'all up a little bit. Jesus. I saw the wife say, don't you say it. Don't you say it. <laughs> he said, I'm too old, no. Be like Sarah. Freak them all out. Have a baby at 90. Huh? If he's the God of the impossible, that means it's got to be impossible. We're looking for God to do the impossible in the realm of possibility. That's like we say, God, I want you to do a new thing. Well, he does a new thing. He say, well, God, I want to go back to the old thing. I don't like the new thing. Well, you've been praying for it. God don't need man's permission. Whatever he promised, Whatever you're carrying, whatever you're pregnant with, in your spiritual womb, what God has set over your life, don't think you gotta have man's permission to give birth to it. Don't think you gotta have the props around you to make it happen. God, just like He did Mary, He will overshadow you, His power will come upon you. And whatever you're pregnant with, you can give birth to. Because how many know that when you when you rely on people, people are fickle. One minute they held Jesus as the Messiah. The next day they said, Crucify Him. The same crowd that said he's the Messiah waving palm branches. The next day they're saying, Crucify Him, give us Barabbas. People will change. Circumstances will change, but God remains faithful and true forever. Everybody was murmuring about Mary because her pregnancy became controversial. Because back in those days, women didn't get pregnant outside of wedlock. If they did, it was shame and scorn. In fact, Joseph, they were not married. That word betrothed literally means they they were engaged to be married, which was the same thing as being married. So in order to, to, to break up being betrothed together, you still had to get a certificate of divorce because it was the same thing as being married almost. It was just wasn't the, the final ceremony. And so can you imagine Mary coming home saying, hey, honey, I got something to tell you. <laughs> I know y'all, 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 don't, y'all probably wouldn't think this way, but this way my mind works. Hey, honey, I'm pregnant. Huh. Who you been with? Because we ain't had relationship. <laughs> and she was the object of shame and scorn to society. Until you're willing to bear the reproach of the shame and the scorn with what God has put inside of you, chances are you'll never give birth to it. You've got to let the world talk. You've got to let the naysayers talk. You've got to let the disgruntled talk. You got to let everybody who's not going to get on board do their thing. But at the end of the day, you got to say, "Hey, this thing is inside of me. I can't help it. I know I've been faithful and true. I haven't been with a man, but God hasn't." Can you imagine telling your husband that? Hey, I, or you're, you, know, like, hey, I, how'd you get pregnant? By God. <laughs> But when God has blessed you, can't no man curse you. And I wish we had more people willing to be more controversial over a word than they were with political correctness. We got more people that will side with political correctness and give up the word. I, we need a church that's gonna be word oriented, gonna be word minded so I don't care what, listen, I don't care if all my friends are getting high, getting drunk and partying, that ain't going to be me. I don't care if all my friends are sleeping around and doing what they do, that ain't going to be me. Come on, talk to me, all you unmarried people. (laughs) Just getting quieter. Sometimes you have to feel the fear and believe anyway. Sometimes you got to feel the fear, not let the fear get in you. You got to feel it and believe anyway. Sometimes you just got to stand in the midst of all the controversy and believe God anyway. Don't abort your baby just because it's controversial. Don't abort the promise that's on the inside of you just because it's controversial, just because it's hard. Well, I've been walking with this promise for 15 years. Keep walking. If God said it, he's going to do it. Well, it's it's created too much pain and disappointment. No, that's just the indication that you're getting closer to your birthing moment. Huh? You're just getting closer. It ain't time to quit. It's time to press in. Amen? The more the increase of the pain, the more the pain begins to increase, you have to know that I'm getting closer to my delivery date. If you're going through all kind of hell right now, it's because a breakthrough is about to happen over your life. If you're dealing with all kind of struggle right now, that's the, that's the, that's the moment that God is trying to breathe over you to let you know you are closer to your breakthrough than what you realize. And how many of you know that even in the natural, when a woman in the natural is going to give birth, when, when she's ready to get into that birthing position, those nurses or doctors around her, what do they tell her to do? Push. I ain't never done it, but I've been on that side of it. And they tell that woman to push, and she has to push in pain. She has to push when it ain't comfortable. In fact, maybe Dr. Carroll could explain it better than me, but when, when, when the pain is at its intense, most intense moment, the contractions are at their highest. It's time to give birth, baby. It's time to release what's on the inside of you. And can I just tell you, for the last two years, we have walked through all kinds of crazy stuff. Our world has been jacked up. Everything is crazy and controversial. It ain't time to quit now. We're about to give birth to a promise that we've been carrying for a long time. And God is not finished with what he started. Come on, push on somebody tell them we got to get this glory now. we gotta, we got to get this glory. God is going to give glory to your life. Let me me give you number two real quick. Great things can be born outside the systems. Great things can be born outside the system. Let me look at that verse right there, Luke Luke chapter 2. Guys, you got that up there, Luke chapter 2, verse number 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Great things are born outside the system. There was no organized support system. There was no structure to to accommodate what she was giving birth to. Mary was pregnant with a promise, and the systems around her showed no support. And sometimes the very systems that we depend on will lock you out. There ain't no room in there. The support systems had shut her out, watch this, in her most vulnerable time. She was at the most vulnerable time in her life, ready to give birth, and there was no room. There was no room in the end. There was no support system. There was nothing to validate, to vindicate, to support what she was about to give birth to. You have to know this morning that great things are born in strange places. Great things are born in some of the most unconventional places of our lives. In fact, great things come out of obscure places. That's why I get excited about New Harvest Church. Right here on the southwest corner of Lake Okeechobee, where is Clouston? When you try to tell people where Clouston is, they think, you say, they think you say Houston. Where is Houston? Oh, we know where Houston is. No, Clouston. We, Clouston. We're in Clouston. Where is that? I'm telling you, great things are going to come out of Clouston. There's some great people that's barren, that's willing to release what God has put on the inside of them. But it's going to come outside the, the support systems of mankind. Great things are going to be born. And who but God would birth a king in a barn? Because God don't need all the pomp and circumstance because he knows what he's doing. Who but God would step out of the systems and say, I'm going to let my son be born in a stable where there ain't no outside support. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11 says, we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Ephesians 6, 11 says, put on the full armor of God to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles is the word methodia or which is where we get our words methods or systems, schemes or craftiness. It's used to deceive. So the devil is a master of systems. He's a, he's a master of systems to block you out to create a blockage in your life so that you won't give birth to a promise. But we're not ignorant of his methods. We're not ignorant of his wiles, of his schemes, his schematic. We're not ignorant of it. We know what the devil can do, but we know what God can do. Amen. So the devil has said, maybe to you, there's no room for you. There's no room for your purpose. There's no room for your dream. There's no room for your promise. There's no room for your assignment. There's no room for your faith. The systems are trying to block you out, but you got to know it don't matter. When this baby is coming, it's coming, and I don't need a support system around me to make it happen. Let me give you one more real quick, number three. Number three, everyone who follows you is not for you. Everyone who follows you is not for it. Matthew chapter 2. Then Herod secretly called the Magi, the wise men, together and determined from there the exact time the star would appear. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may that I too may come and worship him. That I too may come and worship him. How I many know that's a lie? Herod didn't want to worship him. Herod wanted to kill him. When Jesus was born, there was a lot of people looking for him that wasn't for him. Herod was looking for him, not to worship him, but to kill him. And thank God these wise men understood, had a discerning heart of what was going on. And then the Bible says they even reported back a different way. They didn't even come back the same way. Herod didn't want to worship him, Herod was against him. This will be on the screen for you. Understand the devil is not fighting you over who you are, but who you're about to become. Yes. And he always attacks everything in its infancy. The enemy always attacks the dream in its infant stage. If he can kill the dream now, he won't have to deal with you in maturity. Amen. Amen. Some people only want to follow you close enough or long enough to destroy you because they're attached to a different spirit. And I even get amazed sometimes in the body of Christ how we want to pull one another down rather than celebrating somebody's victory. Amen. I, I, know, I know stuff gets worked in, in the body of Christ where, like, if you get blessed, they get jealous. Like, I, I, I want to I jump on that blessing wagon with you. I want to celebrate with you. But there, there are people that would just, they, well, you know, they just like, how come you got blessed and I didn't? That kind of attitude, you never get blessed. Amen. Not everybody that is looking for you is for you. They don't want to support you. And you have to know that. You have to know that because if you're not careful, you will, you, will, you will attract wrong spirits that will sabotage the promises of God on the inside of you. They will sabotage you. They, they, will, they, will they have a seek and destroy mission to kill what you're pregnant with. That's why you got to know the company you keep. You got to know who you run with. Amen. Let me give you, how many, did I say five? Is this number four? Yes. Number four, keep your gifts hidden until they grow. Yes. Keep your gifts hidden until they grow. Matthew chapter 2, guys throw that other for me. Verse number 13, it says, Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Herod is after your promise. The spirit of the world is after what you're pregnant with. And just because, watch this now, just because you're anointed don't mean you can be careless. Just because you're anointed don't mean you can be careless. You got to guard the seed. You got to guard the promise. And sometimes you have to hide something when it's in its infancy stage. Because how many know, if you share it prematurely in the wrong crowd, they'll kill it. Yeah, they will. Remember, remember not not Mary's engagement, Joseph, but remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Remember? His only problem was he shared his dream too soon. He shared it too soon. He shared it with his brothers. He shouldn't have shared it that soon. And his brothers hated him for it. Come on, talk to me up in here. Sometimes things are growing in you and they need to be hidden while they grow. You got to protect it. You got to guard the anointing. You got to guard the promise in your life. You got to watch out for wolves, snakes, deceivers. You don't have to keep up with everybody. Some things just need need to stay hidden for a time until you can manifest at the proper time. One of the greatest things that you and I possess is the ability to be still, the ability to be quiet. Learn how to be still in God's presence. You don't have to struggle to give birth to anything he gave you. You just have to trust him in the process of bringing to pass what he's put inside of you. And you can be still in God. You can be still while you're working on your healing. You can be still while you're working on your dream. You can trust God in the process. You can be still while you're being delivered. Let me give you the last one. Number five, learn how to lose. What you have in worship. Learn how to lose what you have in worship. In Luke chapter 2, it says, and as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind. Now he's about 12 years old at this point. He's a little older. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. Show me the next verse, guys. But supposed him to be in the caravan, and he went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Verse number 46. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Verse number 47. And all who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. You have to learn how to lose what you have in worship. Watch what I'm about to tell you, and then we're going to close. Don't ever let God give you something that becomes so important to you that you can't lose it in worship. Whatever God has given to you, you can't be at a place in your life where you can't lose it in worship. Don't try to bring something into the presence of God like you're going to impress God with something that he gave you. Come on, talk to me in here. You know Mary and Joseph had to be good parents or God would have never entrusted them with his son. They had to be good parents. He would have never chosen them to give stewardship to his son as he was growing up. Yet, the very ones he chose... When they got into the temple, when they got into the house of God, they lost him. But they lost him in worship. And God doesn't come in on the scene to rebuke him or to rebuke them. Because when Mary, the thing about Mary, when Mary was in God's presence, she lost everything back to God. And that's the position that God wants us to have as his people. I know you got an education. I know you got nice cars, big trucks, whatever. Good house, good job, a lot of money, maybe whatever. But don't ever act like you can't lose that in his presence. Don't ever act like you got it by yourself. He gave you the breath. He gave you the ability. He gave you the strength and the stamina to get up every single day. And the moment, I'm trying to help somebody in here, the moment even when we come into a public gathering and you act like you can't worship, you're saying to God, everything I got, I got it without you. Everything I have, I did it without you. That's why worship, you have to come to a place where you understand the value of my worship is not a song service. The value of my worship is not musicians and singers. The value, the worth of my worship is my heart that's directed to a God that says, God, whatever you give me, I'm willing to give it back to you. I don't have to have it. I just have to have you. At the end of the day, I want to make sure that you are the Lord over my heart. You are the God of my life. And you have to have that ability. And and, and we we live in in a nation that just thrives on materialism. And if you're not careful, you'll make your whole life about gaining things that are temporary. You'll work and spend every living day trying to make another dollar. And Nothing wrong with making money. Y'all know that. I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with none of that. I'm just saying, just make sure. That whatever God has given you the ability to give stewardship over, don't have this mindset that I can't lose it in his presence. I got to be able to give it back to God. This is a a kind of worship. This is what I want our church to come to because I believe going into 2022, I believe I already got the theme for 2022. We're going to open this thing up in January and it's going to be explosive. And I believe God wants to have a movement of his people right here in the Glades region. And I'm contending for this. Porter and I have talked about this a lot. I'm contending for a house of worship where you don't have to prop and prep and encourage people to lift their hands. (laughs) You don't have to encourage people to sing and shout and clap. It's just you come into a place because I wouldn't even be here had it not been for the Lord on my side. So I'm showing up in the middle of all the controversy. And I'm willing to lose it all in his presence. That's an exclusive kind of worship. It's a worship that comes from an empty tomb, empty womb. Mary was a virgin, but she knew how to worship. Amen. Because God had made it possible. What's it that God's trying to make possible in your life this Christmas season? What is it that God's trying... To give birth to. Don't become so important, or get so much stuff that we miss what worship is all about. There was a day for my personal life, even. There was a day when I didn't care who saw me, who said anything about me. There was a day when I didn't have anything. But my worship never changed when I got some things. Mary got lost in God. Mary got pregnant in his presence. Mary birthed a child in his presence. And Mary followed him in in his presence. She was a worshiper. I just want to encourage us this morning as we get ready to go six days out from Christmas. Let's be a worshiper this Christmas season. Because what we set the tone for in the last few weeks of this year, we'll set the tone for in January. And I believe God wants to birth some big dreams. Amen. Come on, Pastor Porter. I believe God wants to release something powerful over your life. Amen? Amen. Mary was distinctive. Not because she was a virgin. Not because she could hide him. Not because she could protect him. She was distinctive because she knew how to worship and release back what God had given to her. Come on, stand to your feet this morning all over the building. What I think in my own mind when I read scriptures like that, I think that What made Mary so distinct and so unique was because she is the only woman in history who got to carry her baby twice. She's the only woman we know in history that got to carry her baby twice. The first time when he was in the womb, from the first trimester to the third trimester, she was about ready to give birth. The second time that she carried her baby was in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came into that upper room. And can you imagine Mary when that upper room was filled with God's presence? She was saying, in my mind, this is what I think she's saying, I felt this before. I felt that glory before. I carried that glory for nine months, and I gave birth to it, and I gave it back to God. Now here she is after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. She's in that upper room with 120. Yes. Jesus ain't with her, but when that upper room was filled with the presence of God, guess who that was? Y'all not helping me. Come on. When that upper room was filled with the glory of God, I can, can you imagine Mary sitting there with all the others? Can you say, oh, I know what this is? my baby is about to leap inside of me again I'm about to jump again she's the only woman that we know that carried the same baby twice I'm just trying to tell you ladies and gentlemen there's something inside of you that God is about ready to blow on God is about ready to breathe on and we're about to see some of the most significant things of God happen that we've ever seen in our lifetime how many believe that this morning come on throw your hands up and just begin to worship him come on can you worship him can you just begin to glorify his name can you just begin to praise I know some of you might be tired I know you might be wore out with Christmas holidays but this is your moment this is your moment to separate from the systems this is your moment to declare he alone